So hello and welcome back to our podcast, Ayahuasca Assisted Therapy, and I'm here today with Beth, and I'm so excited to talk to you, sister, about, because I know that you are quite a voice in the psychedelic space. I'm sure that a lot of people who listen to this podcast, listen to your podcast and all the things that you are doing, and I love to know, you know, a little bit people, personal story, how you got into the medicine, because normally ha people have this story, the medicine changed my life. And then I, you know, went into this direction. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming. And how did you get into this whole medicine? So good to be here. Um, you know, it's funny. I was, I was just interviewing Rick Doblin at, at Burning Man out of all places. And um, afterwards, I don't even know how it came up. And I, I told him about my first um, acid trip, which was um, kind of a little accidental. And it was when I was 14 years old. And, um, you know, I didn't really think anything of it. I grew up in California. I always say it's because I grew up in the Bay Area outside of San Francisco that um, a lot of these psychedelics were just kind of around. And it was... Um, like very uh, out in the open almost. So I was given this this hit of acid at 14 and the guy who gave it to me, um, I actually had a curfew. I had to be home at 10 p.m. I mean, I was 14 years old and I was at a, a youth dance club. We used to go to these youth dances like under 18 and they were really fun. And um, he gave me this, but it was like 30 minutes before my curfew. And I was like, well, I have to be home. You know, can I save it for later? And he, I'll never forget He's like, no, you have to take it now. And so I did. And I didn't know what I was getting into. And that was kind of the, the beginning of the whole psychedelic path. But um, even at a younger age, I I had some experiences that I to this day have no idea how to make sense out of them. They were probably, um, you know, some kind of activations at a fairly young age. I actually recently found out that my Neptune placement is in a um, something like Neptune conjunct sun and something else, which makes me very like attuned to certain things, I guess. Um, but I'd had kind of non-ordinary state activations at a younger age and just kind of assumed they were normal for everybody. And I think once I did the psychedelic, you know, like my first experience, and then of course, kind of got into it after that. Um, you know, I do remember during that first trip, which I spent the whole time by myself laying on my bed in the quiet because my parents thought I was asleep. And, you know, they were like right down the hall and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, you know, I remember going through that trip thinking, wow, there's so much that they're not telling us. You know, I just, there was that knowing of, wow, there's, there's a lot of potential. Like if this little thing can can create this in my mind right now like wow what is the capability of our mind and our our being and so i kind of i just started exploring and i got into you know i was in the rave scene back then and um like this is the very early 90s and got into um you know acid md well it wasn't called mdma it was called ecstasy you know mushrooms all the different drugs and parties and you know, I think the one thing I had noticed, it wasn't so much the drugs, it was like more of the dancing of, of being in that meditative state, that um, expanded state of consciousness of, of very present moment. Um, you know, I started to experience what people would call magic. And it wasn't just from the drugs. It was like the, the depth of connection and like feeling one another and the um, the heightened experience of spirituality, even at a rave. And 
that kind of brought me to want to understand it more. I actually studied psychology in college and was originally on the path to becoming a therapist. And when we did, when I got into the neuroscience and how the brain worked and all these chemicals with the, you know, certain drugs, that was where I was really interested and excited. So I had just always been um, kind of a, a mind explorer, you know, all throughout high school, college and beyond that. Um, just kind of exploring that that place of like, there's more to this than I realize. like there there must be more to the minds. And then every experience I had would just bring me to another place of like, wow. Um, and then I started, you know, I was always on a spiritual path and I was studying and doing um transformational programs at a very young age and just reading books and getting into different, you know, like Buddhism and meditation. And I was also always a very big athlete and a very big um, dancer, like partier, as I would call it, like going out dancing to raves and clubs and whatever. And I started actually making connections between all these different states, like going for a run, um, being at a, a dance party, being on a drug, going on a hike and meditation and putting all of them together and realizing they all kind of produce a, the same or similar effects, even without the drugs. Um, how I got into ayahuasca was, uh, you know, I'd gone through many different initiatory experiences and like had a lot of life transformation, um, pretty much nonstop my whole life. But I went through a lot of big experiences, you know, like 29 years old, um, or around 30, my, my father died suddenly, you know, that kind of opened up a whole nother level of my spiritual path and went through job loss and took some time off to travel and question everything and that was right before 2012. That was 2011. And I was definitely going through another level of like awakening. And, um, you know, I had heard about this medicine because I think just being around the rave scene and spiritual scenes and growing up in California, I'd heard about, um, you know, heard about certain things and I had known about things like Burning Man and, but it kind of just assumed it was all like, oh, that's for hippies. And I wasn't a hippie, you know? Um, and then the one thing I started hearing about ayahuasca pretty early on was like, oh, it's this, this drug that's really dark and gives you these crazy visions. And I was like, oh, I don't know about that. That sounds terrible. Um, but I had one friend that was like really interested in doing it and used to talk about going to Peru. And this was like way back then. And then, um, around 2011, 12, you know, I had made some major life changes and I had been kind of taken a whole different career path. And along this path of stepping into entrepreneurship back then, I met one person and I had, I had really been dedicated to my own like meditation path and spiritual path. And, you know, I had also still been doing drugs, you know, like on and off throughout since 14 years old. And I had definitely experienced this kind of, um, you know, certain spiritual uh, activations and awakenings through, let's say, psilocybin or any any of these medicines, really. Um, but when I met this one friend back in, I think it was 2012, and I don't know how it even happened, it, it's very blurry, but I was really just given the ayahuasca, you know, like, hey, here's the invitation to come drink this with one of the best people out there. Um, it's like landed in my lap. And it's weird because I don't even remember I don't remember being like, I wasn't on a mission to find it. Like I didn't even know it took place in America. I thought it was, you know, only in Peru. And, um, 
I just kind of said yes. And, uh, went by myself, you know, this friend didn't even go with me. And I really went in with the intention of just doing this once that was, I, I blatantly was like, I'm only doing this once. I'm never going to do this again. Um, I just, I don't know why I just thought it would be enough to do it once. And, um, there was nothing about it that really called me, uh, other than just pure curiosity. And also like I was going through a huge transition time in my life when that came to me in 2012, 2013. And so that's when I drank it. And what's weird is when I look back on that first experience, um, you know, I don't know if anything's by accident, really. Um, for me, I did sit with someone who happens to be one of the best people on planet Earth. And I'm not just saying that I've sat with a lot of people and he's, you know, he's a master. He's been he's a Peruvian man who's been doing this for 30 years, who, you know, holds dietas and um, holds a very strict tradition and makes very, very powerful medicine on top of it. Um, and he's actually known for that as well, for having very strong medicine. I didn't know this, you know, I didn't know this anything. I just knew like, okay, person recommended go. Um, it was definitely to this day, probably the most powerful experience of my life. Um, nothing, I've been on dietas, I've worked with um, 5-MeO and Bufo, and I've drank tons of ayahuasca since then. But that first time definitely took me to places that to this day, I think, you know, I think it was basically pulling me on my path. Like, why did it take me to these particular places when not everybody's taken there, uh, especially the first time? Um, you know, it showed me a lot of concepts that ancient wisdom has been talking about for millennia. And when I was able to feel them and experience them at that level, it was like, oh, oh, that's that's what the Buddha has been saying. Now I can feel it and understand it. Um, I do have to say it was very hard to integrate that, though, because because it was so powerful and so deep and so big, like a lot of collective, a lot of um you know, future predictions that, that have come through for a long time now, which supposedly has to do with my Neptune placement, by the way, I didn't know this. I just, I assumed everybody got the exact same visions for years until I started comparing stories to friends of mine. And I'm like, Oh, you don't, you don't see that. You don't have that experience. Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay. You know, and I think there's a lot of people that do have certain experiences. And then there's a lot of people that maybe have different kinds. And, um, I don't know. I just know what I've had and it's just been very powerful. And that just kept calling me back, um, especially because, you know, I had certain, you know, I, I, I never use this. Like I use it very um, sacredly, but like I had some of those miracle moments. And when I had the miracle moment, I was like, well, wait, it's kind of the same thing that happened at 14. I'm like, what, what is the capability of this medicine then? If I just had that moment of instantaneous, like, I mean, I hate to say it, but like that instantaneous healing or the instantaneous forgiveness or the instantaneous, um, you know, like realization that has changed my life, then now I want to know what else it can do. So that's kind of how it got started. And I know it's very long, but it's, uh, it's been over 30, what is it? 33 years of my life. Wow. Yeah, I can really relate to your story. I think that many people have a little bit similar path, you know, entering into this world. And um, I particularly relate to that part when you were saying that 
this was another level. This was something, you know, beyond what you experienced. And that was something that happened to me that I did so many other things before from practices to substances to everything. And, and I just felt that, wow, this is, this is really <laughs> like a different thing. And even up until today, I feel that this particular um, plant spirit can help us to access very deep places within us that with other tools is very difficult or maybe even impossible to go there. And, and, and I think that was something that really, really attracted to me because I am that kind of seeker as well. <laughs> So uh, more than 10 years with the medicine, that's that's a long time, you know, and for me, it's funny as well. It's my first dieta was in 2012 as well in Peru. And uh, I'm, I'm curious to know that over this decade, what were some takeaways that you can point out? This is something I really learned through my work with the medicine, some wisdom that we can share with our audience. So many, um, you know, of course. I did a I did a podcast episode uh, back in I think it was March or April. Yeah, it was like a hundredth episode celebration. I said, "What have I learned from thirty three years of psychedelics and plant medicines?" Um, you know, the biggest is just really the power of the heart. I mean, it's super simple. It's even just to be reminded of that every time. It's like, oh yeah, here's the truth. Here's all I need. You know, on some level, I do believe if every human being could kind of figure that out and wake up to that. Like, I don't know, imagine what kind of world we would have. Um, it's definitely not easy to live in that all the time in this reality of the modern day world that especially us Westerners live in. Um, but you know, when I see the people I work with down in Peru and the way they live, like they seem to have no problem. You know, they live, at least the people I work with live a much more simple life. You know, they're not uh, connected to their computers half the day. They're, um, you know, not to glamorize it because there's definitely not, it's not always glamorous, but yeah, they, they tend to be living a, a much more connected life. That's, you know, connected to the spirit, connected to earth, connected to their own heart. So that's always the biggest one, like overarching theme is, you know, what if you actually just listen to your heart, open it up and shine your light and that's it, you know, like that's all we're here to do. Um, you know, I teach purpose. That's a huge part of my work is having people find their true purpose and, and live it authentically. Um, and it's very hard for a lot of people to even know what it is that's in them and what's coming through. Um, so that was another big thing that I, this is kind of how I created all my summits and my podcast and the work I do, you know, I was already a business coach and I was on the medicine path and I didn't bring them together for many years. I kind of kept them into separate realms. But then I started noticing how much of my path was being informed by the medicine work. And I also noticed how many people I would do it with that would not integrate it. And they would go on dietas because, you know, some of these people I've been on four dietas with. And then they go back to the same old, same old, you know, same old job that they hate, same old life that they hate, like the daily grind. And, you know, I would not see much actually change in their life. And I started questioning, like, why are you doing this so much if nothing's changing? Um, so for me, I would actually have these, um, you know, experiences. And here's the thing, and I'm sure you say this too, 
it's not like I go and change my life the next day and like quit everything and sell my house and divorce whoever, you know, not that, but like, you know, if things started coming through, that would wake me up and make me think differently, you know, I would start to get curious and start to explore that and ask a lot of questions. Like, well, what if, what if this was real? What if, what if that could happen? And, um, I had this one moment on my very first dieta. It was actually on my first dieta in the last ceremony, <laughs> like almost towards the end too. It was just this, this vision that came through. And I was also, I was running a business, my previous business, but also going through a lot of like questions and transitions around that business. Um, and this vision came through that was, it was kind of this, this funny vision of just me, um, helping a bunch of my friends who, you know, a lot of them were medicine people and, um, just having fun helping people like that, this, this vision, it was actually very specific. Like it was on, um, it was like, me on this big grassy mountaintop that was just hopping around, like having fun, helping a bunch of cool people that I really liked. And that was it. And it didn't, it didn't show me anything about money. It didn't show me anything about trying to make a living. It was always, you know, and I had, I've had these visions multiple times where it was always around like this feeling of, you know, what would you be doing if money didn't even exist? And I say this to my clients all the time. Like if if the whole entire financial system around the entire world totally collapsed and we were all in the same boat together. And I mean, I don't know if this is real, you know, maybe one day in some kind of future. Um, but what if there was no money as we know it? And what if it was just a different world where we're all pitching in and we're all just doing what we're here to do? Like, what would you do? And that's kind of what it showed me. And it, it kept showing me like, what would help other people like reach more people? Because even if there was no such thing as making money, you know, if I have a friend who's an herbal healer, or if I have a client who does um, life-changing astrology, or I have another client who helps you heal sexual trauma, you know, those things are still going to be needed, whether people get paid to or not. Like it's part of the human experience. Like we want to expand and grow and learn about ourselves. So Yes, that person's helping someone um, feel better or that person's helping someone know who they are or that other person's helping someone, um, you know, like get past trauma so they can really shine their light and open their heart. You know, if I can help people help more people to do that, then that's really what I'm here to do, whether there's money involved or not. At least that's what I'm here to do for now. You know, who knows about the future? I'm always, I, I always believe in like being in the present moment. So that has come through multiple times. Um, and that's actually, I think why then the vision started changing after I started getting it and was like, um, understanding the, this truth. Uh, I started getting these messages around um, speaking publicly about this integration of medicine and your true path, whether you call it a business or your career or making money or the work you do in the world or soul's work, it's all kind of intertwined, right? Um, because what I started noticing was a lot of people, you know, their their depression, their anxiety, their, um, you know, their angst in their world, you know, the, the issues that they're dealing with, a lot of it, at least here in the US or in a lot of Western countries, seems to be rooted in working at jobs people hate or not liking their work or being part of a rat race that they don't want to be a part of, you know, it's like this misalignment 
And a lot of us, you know, at least my generation, a lot of us were programmed to believe like, okay, the only way is you have to go get a job, work for other people and suck it up. And then you make money and then you die, you know? And I started questioning this at a very young age. And so what I started seeing was like, okay, if I'm able to take steps and other people that I'm friends with are successful entrepreneurs and other people are happy doing what they do and making money, then why can't everybody make money and be happy at the same time? Like, I do believe it's possible. Um, so through the medicine, it, it was a few years it came through that was actually very specifically telling me to do a summit on this because I was already doing other summits. And I was like, no way. <laughs> I actually said no for like two and a half years. I was like, I'm not talking about this publicly. You've got to be kidding me. Um, you know, it was, it was giving me very specific instructions and I, I just kept saying, no, I was like, this is illegal. I'm going to be disowned by all my friends and community. This is going to get people in trouble. It's going to get me in trouble. I don't, you know, what are people going to think? Um, no one, no one even wants to hear about this. Like I actually thought there'd be 50 people. I actually, that was the number. I don't know why I was like, oh, maybe there's like 50 people that are curious about the intersection of psychedelics and having purpose and like creating a business. And then, you know, it kind of got to the point where it was like, you either do it or you don't, um, because it was like coming through over and over and over and over and over. And so I started getting curious and I brought it up in a business coaching mastermind that I was in and I brought it up and I was like, you know, I keep having these visions coming through. I don't know what to do about it. They're kind of getting annoying because it's been coming through for a couple of years now. And when I said it to this group of people and my business coach, everybody was like, you have to do this. That's your authenticity. This is who you are. You've been hiding it from the world for all these years. And they're like, do it. You know, you only know if you're going to succeed if you try. You're never going to know if you don't try. So then I went through a really deep process for, it took me about six months of like deep somatic therapy and like discussing. I even discussed it with my shaman. I discussed it with people I was on dieta with. I wanted to get his blessing. I wanted to get other people's blessings. And, you know, the irony is when I started telling these other people about what I was thinking of doing, I had like five people. One was like, oh, that's amazing because I'm about to write a book. Another one's like, I'm coming out with a whole album called Music for Mushrooms. And that's my friend East Forest. Then there was someone else that's like, oh, that's great because I'm going to start doing my own, you know, medicine session. Someone else is like, oh, I'm starting an integration coaching business. So it was like, you know, and this was um, 2018 when I finally was like, okay, I'll do it in next fall, 2019. And that's kind of what led to that. And then it's been like a whole other opening ever since then. So those are, those are some kind of big things. Of course, there's huge collective things that have come through, but that's, that's a whole other story. <laughs> there's a lot of those too. Yes, I, I'm sure. Thank you for, for sharing this. I really resonate with that part of, uh, you know, ayahuasca helping us to step on that higher path and to align with that life purpose. And I do agree with you that a lot of the misery, I think, is because people are not on their path. And therefore, you know, they don't like their life and uh, so on and so forth. And then, of course, there is a huge amount of conditioning, as you said, to be on a certain path and not to follow your own path. So I want to 
just circle back to what you started with the power of the heart and follow your heart. And I want to just talk a few minutes more about this, because I think even just the concept of this is alien for a lot of people when you say follow your intuitive guidance is like, what the heck is that? Or, you Mm -hmm. know, so yeah, can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah. And that's the thing too, is it's, you know, so many people are either programmed or living in, um, living from a state of woundedness, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's all intertwined, right? Like, honestly, a lot of the, the reasons that we fall into, um, what we feel like are the safe, you know, get a job and suck it up. You know, it's a lot of it is in our trauma patterning and our wounding. And so if we don't actually get to the root of all this, Um, then it's, it's not really truly healing anything. And this is actually something I've talked about a lot on my own podcast, on other podcasts around, you know, the, the media and and the, the larger collective seems to be saying, oh, psychedelics will heal all your depression and anxiety. And it's like, okay, yeah, they make you maybe feel better, but if you're not able to actually go into the root of what's causing the depression, the anxiety, the trauma, they're just going to keep repeating on some level, or they're never really going to be truly healed. They're just going to be masked with, you know, microdosing or masked by going to a ceremony after ceremony, which by the way, I also saw that in many communities where people would just, it was like the new drug. And it's like, well, if you're going to drink ayahuasca once a month, just to mask your feelings, instead of actually getting to the depths of what's really causing the problem then it's, how is that different than drinking a bottle of booze or taking antidepressants? It's not really the key. Thankfully, you know, medicines like ayahuasca, psilocybin, they tend to bring stuff to the surface, whether you like it or not. And yes, you can run and avoid it. I know, cause I have done that many times, but there's going to be a point where it's your soul wants you to look at this, you know, that's, that's how I feel. So, um, you know, the, the deeper place is to actually like do that work that can be very hard. And we all know this, this is why it's important to have someone like Nina or one of my clients, like work with an integration coach, work with someone who understands trauma patterning or, um, you know, wounding patterns or, the energetics of how, um, I mean, I can talk forever about this, but the, the somatics and the energetics and how they're stored in the body from not just this lifetime, but multiple generations. And I mean, we could go on and on, right? Like I do believe in past lives. I have dealt with that. You know, I've had to like battle past life things in ceremonies, which I didn't even used to believe were real. I thought that was a complete total crock. And then I actually started to experience it And you know what, when I went in and faced it and dealt with it, and I did work outside of the ceremony with professionals that know what they're doing, and then work inside the ceremony, it is like my life has completely changed every time. And that's the real healing. And I think, you know, to really get to the depths of opening your heart, like it's going to take some of that depths of like seeing what's in there, like blocking the heart. You know, yes, there is a point where like every human being has it available and accessible to them to just tap into their intuition every moment, you know, like that to me is very simple. Um, I know for some people it seems hard, but you know, usually it's because you're running too fast. You know, most human beings don't leave space to like slow down, get onto the earth or go meditate, or at least just take literally five minutes. That's how I got started. Five minutes to just sit quietly every day. That's it. You know, you don't have to get it right. It doesn't have to be perfect. 
But I think in our fast paced Western world, we're just, you know, going, including me, like I came on this podcast and I'm like, oh my God, I've been working like three days straight, but I always leave that space. Like to me, that's a non-negotiable. It's like, I always spend some time outside or some time in meditation, some time in like conscious something like movement. Um, but I think in our modern day society, so many people are just going and going and going. And then like, you know, our mind, it's the mind in the way all the time. And if you don't actually have that, like that spaciousness to really feel your body and feel your intuition and feel like, what is it that I am feeling? What's coming through me? What do I really want? What is my truth? You know, like, and that's, that's, it's all the same, right? It's like intuition, your truth, your heart, you know, like the, the inner compass and the inner guidance, you know, for people to say, I don't have an intuition. It's like, well, that's, I mean, everybody has this access accessible. It's just a matter of like, do you, do you even give it a chance? Do you give it any space? Um, but you know, and then the open, the heart thing, I mean, it's a process. I don't, you know, I still wonder, I'm like, there's, there's moments where I know for a fact, my heart is wide open. And there's moments where I know it's like, shuts back down a little and opens and shuts back down. I mean, it's, we're humans, right? I say, I only have, there's like three people I know who might have a fully open heart, like 24 seven. Um, and that's pretty much it. Uh, but then if we can actually just like chip away at it a little bit and start to really tune in, you know, that's the process and, and just finding that inner self-love and self-compassion, but really to listen deeply to your, your, your soul, because I do believe there is, um, you know, whatever word we want to use, it doesn't really matter, but there's something else here that's, that's guiding you, you know, you just have to really like give it space to, um, be shown the, the guidance and then actually like, you know, maybe consider, getting curious around listening to the guidance. I mean, that's, I always say, look, it's not about just listening to your guidance and that's it. If you're new to this, what about like just getting curious and having fun? Like, like my dieta vision, when I saw that one vision of like me prancing on this beautiful field, I came out of that and I was like, you know, what if I just played with that? And I actually had also just read the surrender experiment. And I was like, what if I just did a surrender experiment and like got curious around that? And I'm telling you, that's when everything just kind of took off on its own. I don't, I don't even remember like doing anything. It just kind of, my business just kind of started without even trying. And that's where, you know, I, and I see this all the time with my clients. I see this all the time where if you really just like start developing a relationship with that part of yourself or with your soul, whatever you want to call it, that, that part of your heart, that's like knows something and you're not listening to it. But if you just start to like get in touch with it, you know, become its friend and like, see what happens. That's where miracles start to happen. And I've seen this over and over and over and over, like even to the point where I've had, um, I had, I have one story about a client who like made $10,000 out of the blue without doing a thing for months and months and months, like wasn't even on the internet. And it just like landed in her lap. You know, I, I have those stories with my clients all the time. Like even to the point where people are like, I don't even understand how I got here, which is kind of what happened to me. I'm like, wait, wh how am I doing this? I don't even remember. This is never my intention. I never went out and 
said, I'm going to be, I didn't even know there was such a thing as a business coach. I never even, I was like, what is that? It just started happening to me, but that's what happens when you leave that space and start to get curious and open up and start to work with spirit on a different level. It's like, I mean, I hate saying it, but there is a point where like, you know, manifestation, it's like, it's very real, you know, <laughs> like, Yes, thank you so much. Uh, I'm I'm really delighted because we are always making this point on this podcast that the work outside of the ceremony is just as much important as the work that you do in the sacred ceremonial space, or maybe even more, you know, um, and, uh, and uh, raising awareness around this, I think is one of the most important that we both want to do. But I, I, I also admire you because you're bringing this topic of money and business into this space. And I think that it's so needed because uh, in general, in the spiritual community, there is this uh, judgment and everything on, on money. And we have a horrible yeah. relationship with money. And, and that's part of our healing and awakening to, to align that and to put yes. that. Yes. Oh my God. Well, so what, you know, what kind of offerings do you have that you have people to do that? Yeah. And I, I do want to just say, because it's, it's funny. Um, every year I launch my summit, which is live right now. There's always a couple haters. And here's the thing. It's like two or three people out of 7,000 people, you know, it's not, it's not the majority, but there's always someone that gets all up in arms over money or business. But then I'm, I'm always saying like, look, unless you're born into an uber wealthy family or, you are quite literally living off the land, which by the way, all the indigenous communities I've spent time in, they do not live off the land. There's there's a there's a glorification of what's really happening in a lot of indigenous communities. They are they're literally still paying for gas. They drive scooters, you know, they still have to buy things at the store. They are not weaving all their clothes from scratch. Money right now, 2023 is part of our reality. And we cannot spiritually bypass the fact that money exists and working exists. And so for all those people that are like, oh my God, you how can you talk about money? It's like, okay, yeah, I would love all healing to be absolutely free, but I would also love all food to be absolutely free and housing to be free and every single thing on the planet to be free. I cannot wait. I hope to God this happens in our lifetime that there is a full gift economy that exists. I don't know. I, I doubt it. Maybe I think it's sometime going to come back around. But until that point, I believe that we can't put on our blinders and pretend that it doesn't exist because that is actually a form of spiritual bypass. You know, it's like, okay, all of us have no problem talking about trauma and abuse and, um, you know, stress and anxiety and PTSD darkness, violence, rape, you know, racism, sexism, I could go on and on. But for some reason, money is like so taboo to people. And I'm like, okay. And then here's the the best part is the people that criticize anybody out there, because I'm not the only one that talks about business, making money, helping people. And honestly, I rarely ever talk about the money piece because it's never about the money. It's about being of service. But the people that are of service in the world, I always say, look, like, how are you supported? You know, if you want to shun all money, like, how do you pay your bills? How do you live? How do you afford to keep a roof over your head? You know, a couple people, I mean, someone I met a few months ago was like, I give all my mushroom sessions for free. You know, 
what he, what he doesn't say is that he actually like sold a business for, you know, whatever it was, a few million dollars a few years before. And I'm like, well, yeah, if I was sitting on millions of dollars too, I would probably give a lot out for free. And here's the thing. I'm not sitting on a million dollars and I still give a ton out for free. So it's all about bringing it into balance and reciprocity and building it into the business. So this is what I teach to my clients inside of all my programs, which is how to build a business that actually supports you, meaning financially, spiritually, energetically, emotionally, you know, like physically on all levels, like a sustainable business that feels really good and lets you have a thriving life. And there's a way to build it where you're still actually accommodating everybody at all levels. Like I, you know, I come from this Buddhist background where it's it's called Dana, where it's like donation based. I don't even ask for donations for my free items. I have, I would say almost like 90% of what I do or 80% of what I do is actually free. Then 20-ish percent of what I offer out there is paid, you know? And then, so then when someone says like, oh, you're all about the money, I'm like, really? Do you realize like how much of my own money, time and energy is spent just gifting out free coaching, free content, free summits, free podcasts, free services, like constantly, you know, I do free coaching sessions. I'll probably do one in October or November. I do free business coaching constantly. So, you know, if you follow my emails, you'll find out about them, but that's where it's like, So I do believe in trying to just get this into balance, like everything else in our world that we're really trying to get into balance. It's not about shunning it and pretending that it doesn't exist, which by the way, means that it's going to keep persisting. We have to actually, it's like shadow work, right? Like, yeah, we all, I think on some level, we all agree that the system is super messed up, right? Like I don't love the way capitalism runs, it's it's not ideal. I don't think it's serving the, the planet or most people. And I think everybody's aware on some level that it's a broken system. But until we fix it, we can't, it's, it's the shadow. We have to bring it to the light. And there is a way to approach it from this place of um, like a different energy of bringing like, I, I, you know, I learned this from some of my own teachers, like money as love, you know, money as service, money as um, just, I mean, really, it is just another agreement we all agree on. So how do we actually see this differently? And that's what I'm all about is like the perspective. And when you start to actually shift your own inner perspective around work, money, business, making money, if you can actually like, you know, I've actually done some episodes on like healing money wounds. Like if you come into a better relationship with yourself and money and and like being of service in the world and start to realize that your service is actually not connected to your money. But if you just show up in service without any attachment to whether you're going to get clients or make money or become rich or whatever it is you want, <clears throat> what happens is, you know, the non-attachment, it starts to actually just come in more and more from all different places. Meaning, I don't see my business as the means to make money. What I see is like, I'm here to just do this work out there. That's it. I'm just every day. I'm like, guide me, tell me what to do. Use me as a vessel. And if I'm doing that and I just keep doing that and I keep showing up, then somehow I'm supported one way or another, whether it's through clients or through some other opportunities or through a gift or God knows what, or random money that lands in the mail you know, it's like, we can't connect these two. So I teach this to my clients. And and the irony is what happens is when you're just connected to your soul's path of, of being, you know, like living your truth, being guided by your heart, 
somehow you are supported. You know, I've seen this over and over and over and over. And if you're not supported, your soul is always moving you into alignment to be supported, or it wants you to learn a really hard lesson to then learn how to be supported, you know, but a lot of it is really deep work around our mindset, our relationship, our perspectives, and like really doing this deep, I mean, it's, it's like a major trauma in our society is around money. So this is actually something um, I've, I've actually interviewed some other people about this, uh, something you can do within the, the medicine space, which I have actually done myself because I had such deep generational trauma around scarcity and money that it was actually affecting my entire nervous system. And when I started doing that, along with integration, along with somatic therapy, along with energy work, along with daily practices, everything in my reality just started to change. And that's, I actually integrate this in all my business coaching programs because it's so interconnected together. Every one of my clients, doesn't matter if it's a client that comes from corporate and is already making six figures or a client who's a healer who's just getting started and you know trying to make ends meet everybody's still dealing with some kind of money trauma, whether they, you know, know it or not. Um, and the, the people that don't have that trauma, <laughs> they just seem to bring in more money. I mean, in my personal opinion, I do believe on some level, this is kind of why we see this imbalance in our world where there's a lot of uber wealthy people that could actually pay for an entire country to live. Well, I don't know. Why is it that there's such, you know, yeah, a lot of it's systemic and this is what we need to fix. But I think a lot of it really is like perception, mindset and healing, like wounds and depths of intergenerational trauma around scarcity versus abundance. You know, I, I totally agree. And myself coming from a communist country growing up <laughs> and Coming into entrepreneurship, it was quite, you know, a process and it's still, you know, I'm a humble student. So yeah, where can people find you back yeah, if they can yeah. work with you? Thank you so much. So I am at BethAWeinstein.com. I'm also Instagram, Facebook. I have a Facebook group. I'm all over the internet. Um, Beth A. Weinstein. I have a podcast called Medicine for These Times, The Psychedelic Entrepreneur. Um, and yeah, feel free to reach out to me directly. I'm interconnected to Nina. So, you know, I'm a, a pretty open book and yeah, my group mastermind is open for the 2024 year. It's an incredible group of people that are on very similar paths. A lot of, um, you know, newer to early stage or even completely, totally new, never done this before coaches, healers, psychedelic pioneers, people, um, integration coaches, people working in this space or, you know, just a lot of medicine people who want to work with a business coach that really understands their own path. For example, I have two clients on dietas right now in Peru. And I think it's just so amazing to have a community and a mastermind where then they can both come back and they're in separate places and they can relate to one another. So it's a really amazing community that's open. I also do um, private coaching and I have um, a shorter program that's launching probably in February or March as well. So feel awesome. free to so to exciting. There. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, for our listeners, also check out our first ayahuasca assisted therapy facilitator training. So if you want to become a professional integration facilitator and you specifically want to work with the mother ayahuasca, this can be just the right training for you. So check out the link and our early bird. 
And also we're going to share all of the link for that and uh, the summit as well, because even after the summit, people can watch the episodes, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's so perfect. Uh, well, the way it works is it ends around uh, September 29th, 30th, but you can also purchase it. There's an upgrade where you can watch um, Unlimited. And then usually what we do, if you sign up, we still give a couple of the interviews out for free. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for everything you do. And talk Thank to you, you soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank Thanks you for having me. Thank you for listening and leave a comment if you enjoyed this episode. Help us grow our community by sharing this episode with your friends and subscribe to our channel to receive the latest on ayahuasca assisted therapy. To embark on your healing journey or to start a new career in psychedelic assisted therapy, go to my website, avatarhealingarts.com and get in touch. And of course, stay tuned for the next episode.